0: Hey there, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of the John Morris show. So, if this hasn't happened to you yet, it will at some point. Uh, you'll get a client who is ultra focused on making their thing, whatever it is, a mobile app, a website, whatever. They'll be really focused on it being intuitive and they'll constantly be bringing this up and they'll Or they'll use the phrase, just make it like the iPhone or make it like some Apple product. And when you ask them to be specific about what that actually means or what that actually looks like, they won't have a real good answer for you. All they'll generally say is, I don't know, it'll just feel right when it's done right. And so that if you've never experienced that before, that can be a little bit annoying and a little bit confusing about how am I supposed to go about creating something that just feels right. I mean, you're not gonna, you can't build something and go back to your client and say, does it feel right now? Does it feel right now? Does it feel right now? That's, it's gonna be counterproductive. So the thing to keep in mind, despite how annoying that might be, they actually do have a point. Because when a design is intuitive, it does have a certain feel to it. Which is, and that is kind of the point of it. Now, fortunately for us, there is a, there's a way to do this. There's a kind of science to this, a way that we can consistently engineer applications or products that feel right, that feel intuitive, that are intuitive. There's, there's a systematic way to create these kinds of designs. And actually the first part of that is recognizing that the designs themselves aren't what's intuitive. Your application is just a collection of ones and zeros. It can't intuit anything. What we really mean when we say that we want something to be intuitive is that we can easily intuit how to use it. We We can use it without having to go through some big long training manual, use a bunch of you know logic and reason to figure it out it just we can step up to it and, and, and we can use it so the design makes how to use that particular thing obvious now i want to make sure and give credit where credit is due here because i first read about what i'm going to talk about today from a and how to do this from a guy named jared spool and the article is on uie.com which is user interface engineers and Again, this stuff is this is really good and it makes all of this really clear. It makes it a lot easier to understand how to actually do this. So the first principle is what I would call the knowledge continuum. So the way to imagine this is if you have a continuum from left to right, and it may be different the way you're looking at me, but uh if you have a continuum from left to right and on the far left, you that and that continuum represents how much knowledge a user has about our application and how to use it. So on the far left, you would have uh, no knowledge. And on the far right, you would have all knowledge. And our users, each user will fall somewhere on that continuum. Now, where they fall on that continuum is called the current knowledge point. And where they need to be in order to be successful in using our application is the target knowledge point. So these are the two main concepts we're going to deal with. The current knowledge point and the target knowledge point. And then the gap between those two is the knowledge gap. And to make something intuitive, we need to close that gap. And so there's two ways that you can do that. One, you can uh, make the current knowledge point and the target knowledge point sit at the exact same spot. So you can design your application in such a way that those two things are at the exact same spot. In the way that, so what would happen is the user would come to your application with all the knowledge already with all the knowledge they need in order to be able to use your application, right? So that's one way you can make something intuitive. Now, that's not always possible, or it's not always necessarily cost effective. Sometimes you can't always get those two to sit at the exact same spot. So the second way that you can do that is the two; those two points will be separate. However, the design is helping to train the user to close that gap without the user being really consciously aware of it. So in his article, Jared uses a hotel phone example, and funnily enough, I've actually had this happen to me. So I stayed at a hotel, and I picked up the phone to order some pizza now any adult out there that's done any kind of traveling will know that most places you go, most hotels you stay out, in order to call out, you have to first hit nine. That allows you to call an outside number. Most of the other uh, buttons on there for you calling you know, room service or the front desk or whatever. So to call out, you hit nine and then you dial whatever number you want to dial. So when I walked up to the phone, that's what I did. I hit nine and dialed the number. And I didn't even think about it. Now, it so happened that this hotel was different. So they had decided for some reason that instead of pushing nine, they they wanted you to push the number eight. I don't know why, but that was the case. So when I made my first call and it didn't work, the call didn't go out, then I stopped to look around for a second, like, okay, what's going on here? And sure enough, there was a placard that was right there on the phone that said, in order to call out, you need to press eight. And so I immediately saw that and then I knew what to do. And so I pressed 8 and I dialed the number and went about my business. So had had the hotel used the number 9 as the number to press to call out, it would have met the first condition that we talked about, that I would have come to that phone already knowing what I needed to know in order to use it. However, since it didn't, it met condition 2 in that it had a placard on there. It trained me how to use it to call out to a number Without me like having to sit down and read a manual and having to go go through some long, long explanation, there's just a line on there that said dial eight to to call out, and so I was able to do that. So that met condition number two. Again, it trained me without me really being aware of it. So the training was built into the design, and that is that's how you make something intuitive: is you meet one of those two conditions. And again, depending on the the situation you're in, you may be able to accomplish number one or you may have to do something with number two. But it's your job as the interface designer to come up with creative ways to try and do both. That's ultimately what your job is. So the next time some client (laughs) starts going on about making their, their thing intuitive or Apple-esque, you don't need to give them a V8 to the forehead because you know exactly what that means. You'll know that if you follow these principles and you work towards those, those knowledge points, bringing those knowledge points together and filling that knowledge gap, when they step up to use it, it will feel intuitive. Now, there's something to be said for understanding where most of your users fall on that continuum knowing where they tend to cluster around on that knowledge continuum and knowing that now I have to try and bring my design as close to that as possible. If you don't know where they're at, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for you to be able to bring that that target knowledge point down to that level. But once you know that, then it's just simply a matter of you building a design that makes it easy for them to do that. So, uh, again, you'll know exactly when they say that you'll know you'll know what they mean and how to actually do it instead of being just being some confusing gray area thing. Now, of course, as I normally do, if you want to become a UI UX designer who does this kind of thing for a living, and by the way, the average salary for a UI UX designer. In the United States, is about $87,000 a year, so it's not some slough-off position. It's a really lucrative position to be in. If that's something that you want to do, it appeals to you. Getting into the science of all that is something that's exciting, then the UX and Web Design Masterclass by Joe Natali is one great way to get there because the thing that I like about it is it's the right mix of concepts and implementation implementation so you know what to do but you also know why so when you're presented with a project you're not limited by oh i only know how to click here do this do that i don't really know why i was doing that i just know how to use this tool but i really don't know the concepts and the principles and how to apply them to this particular project right so he gives you uh the the concepts and the why so that you understand how to apply them to different projects at the same time, he does give you the click here, do this part of it so that you're not on the other side where you're, you, you understand the principles and, and kind of how to implement them. But you don't understand how to use the tools. You don't know where to click. You don't know how to the process for actually going about creating uh, these kind of designs. He gives you both of those things so that you are competent no matter what anybody throws at you you understand the principles, you can apply them and you can use the tools and you know the process for systematically creating uh, a design that is naturally intuitive to the people that are using it. So that's what I really like about his course. And if this is something that you want to get into, then I highly recommend it. Uh, the discount link is johnmorrisonline.com slash UX. That will get you uh, the best deal that you, Udemy, Udemy currently has on that particular course. So if you want to Take advantage of that. Again, johnmorrisonline.com slash UX. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Hopefully you got some out of that. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next time.